This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, a brand new week for the same old markets, January 24th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Shares of Kohl's surge amid word of a possible sale. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the week ahead includes a meeting of the Federal Reserve, plus more key reports in this earnings season. Let's check in once again with Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com. Andy, thanks for joining us today. This meeting of the Federal Reserve later this week, is that going to be enough to kind of quell some of the uh, turbulence on Wall Street as investors get a better idea of what the interest rate roadmap is going to look like? I don't think it's going to provide the the salve that most people want. Uh, Everybody wants to have the Fed come out and say, yes, we're going to raise rates to deal with inflation, but probably not as aggressive as some people, maybe even as much as Goldman Sachs thinks. I think they have up to four rate hikes uh, in this year. The problem is this, Rob, is that the Fed made a huge mistake last year. Myself and many other people were writing about inflation back in April and saying the Fed had to do something then or they risked creating a lot of volatility down the road. Well, guess what? They missed the opportunity, and this is where we sit. They have to raise rates to, to kill inflation, but they could also really hurt the stock market in doing that. And so that's where we're at right now with the Federal Reserve. They have to do something that's going to hurt the markets because they have to act on inflation. Now, there is market volatility. You don't have to be a genius to, to, to figure that out right now. But how does this impact the economy writ large in terms of, is there any concern about the economy slowing down or, or, or an impact on payrolls or an impact on employment? Yeah, first of all, the economy has definitely slowed. I mean, Omicron has done that from December and January. We know things are slowing down. We know things have slowed down. But after things improve, probably, you know, as the months go on and the number of Omicron cases go down, we know that'll come back. The problem when the stock market goes down, it is, has something called the wealth effect, right? It's positive when stocks are going up and people are making a lot of money and everybody's trading, everybody's buying additional things that they didn't need. Now that it's gone down significantly, guess what? The easy times are over when it comes to investing. Now you have to be more disciplined about what you do, and it cuts back on the amount of wealth people want to buy additional items, whether it's doing a home improvement project, a new car, or you name it. So that's where you get a hit to the consumer psyche and their spending patterns. And then uh, is there any sign that the, uh, the, the markets have hit bottom, or is there some more room to run on the, uh, on the ramp down? Yeah, it's hard to say. Just looking at how it's traded today, it seems like we put in a low, but it's really difficult to tell. I mean, the, the psychology is really difficult. And I would just toss out a couple other things. 
you know, we have two military situations that are getting kind of dicey. One is in Russia. The other one is in Taiwan, where the Chinese are flying sorties in their space and the Taiwanese scrambled their jets. So if both of those just, let's happen to say, go off at the same time, then you're going to see a significantly lower stock market. Uh, once again, the uh, may you live in interesting times uh, curse <laughs> rears its head once again. Uh, Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at AndrewBush.com, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, reports indicate there are multiple buyers interested in department store chain Kohl's. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Shares of department store chain Kohl's are hot with word that at least two potential buyers are interested in the company. Let's take a look. Let's look at this potential deal with Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, thanks for joining us today. Who is uh, going to Menominee Falls, Wisconsin these days to sniff around Kohl's? Well, there's been a lot of sniffing around over the past year, actually. McCollum Capital came in last year and installed a couple of people on the board after a little bit of a fight. And then Engine Capital has also been involved, saying that they thought the transaction should unlock the online business, which they claim is worth $12 billion. And now we've got a bid on the table from Acacia for $64 a share and a rumored bid from Sycamore Partners for $65 a share, both of which would be more than 35% above where it was trading yesterday. So, yeah, I'd say it's getting pretty hot if you happen to be sitting on the Kohl's board or running the company. Now, from from the, the investor standpoint, are they interested in upping their take in Kohl's because they believe it to be a strong business or because they believe it to be vulnerable? Well, they're not going to be buying it with Kohl's cash, like you said a few <laughs> minutes ago, but they do think they could buy it with Kohl's real estate, which is supposedly worth between 5 and $7 billion dollars. And they think they could buy it with Kohl's online business, which may be worth as much as $12 billion. And if that were the case, instead of bidding $64 or $65 a share, in theory, somebody could bid $100 a share. So is it because they're strong or weak? Well, they've gotten these bids because they're weak. But the people making the bids believe they can be monetized well enough to be worth a lot more money than what the stock's been trading for which is kind of the way it works in undervalued companies. And so, you know, Kohl's has got a big business. There are 1,150 stores. They've got a strong online business. They've been around for many years. They're profitable. But, you know, they're not really moving anywhere. So, you know, we've just seen them bring in Sephora into their stores, which I thought was a wonderful thing. And they've made the business better, and they've done a pretty decent job of getting online. But all in all, their stock hasn't gone anywhere because of that. And so, other people look at it and go, you guys are worth a lot more than what you're getting paid by the industry. And so we think we can unlock those values. And now we're going to try to. So it'll be interesting to see where it all works out. Is it Has it always been the case with, uh, with, with large retailers with a big nationwide footprint that uh, the value of the real estate upon which the stores are located is kind of the, their, their secret weapon in their back pocket post-retail apocalypse? Well, it certainly has been true for the department store space. Most of the other retailers don't own their retail space. They just lease it. So if you're in the discount space or you're in the off-price space, you probably don't own your stuff. You lease it and you 
run the business and you pay your rent and you go on. But in the department store space, there's always been a big ownership component. And we've always believed that there was substantial value there that could be harvested at some point in time if you had to. And every once in a while, somebody tries to. We saw it happen with Sears, and we know how that worked out. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jan Rogers-Niffin, CEO, J. Rogers-Niffin Worldwide, based in New York. Up next, nearly one in three people admit they've committed financial infidelity. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. A survey by CreditCards.com finds that one-third of people in a relationship admit they've committed some form of financial infidelity against their partner. Let's learn more from Ted Rossman, industry analyst, CreditCards.com, based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us today. Let's start off with the big question, and that is, what is financial infidelity? The most common example is spending more than your spouse or partner would be okay with. This is something that 15% of people are doing. And then we found high single-digit percentages for secret debt, secret credit cards, and secret bank accounts. Now, on the uh, spending more than your partner would be comfortable with, I mean, that's always the first discussion you have as you enter into getting ready to get married or get engaged is, you know, how much is too much? And it seems like everybody runs that red light eventually at one point in time. Uh, So it's interesting that would be considered a a form of uh, financial infidelity. How does that break down among uh, age groups? We found that young adults are much more likely to be committing financial infidelity, Gen Zers and millennials. I think there's a few reasons for that. One would be that they're earlier in their relationships, but I also think it goes deeper than that. I would note that people are getting married later. Also, these young adults are more likely to be in two-income households and also more likely to have divorced parents. So maybe they remember what happened when mom and dad split up. They keep a secret pot of money on the side in case their own relationship fails. I really think the cure here is communication. We just need to be a lot more open about discussing money matters. Is it easier now to commit financial infidelity compared to, let's say, 20 or 30 years ago when it was simply just a matter of uh, having a checking account and you had to balance that checkbook and you didn't have an electronic record following you all the time? Compared to 20 or 30 years ago, yes. I think it's definitely easier nowadays. You can really hide a lot of things through the Internet, for example. I would say, though, that within the past couple of years, we've seen an interesting difference because in 2019, we found that 44% of people were committing financial infidelity. And then a year later, it was 40%, and now it's 32 So it actually seems that during the pandemic, it's actually declined a little bit. And I wonder if some of that is just more togetherness, maybe fewer opportunities to I mean, maybe it's increasingly hard to hide those secret Amazon purchases or that secret credit card account because everybody's home all the time. And then uh, also, you know, it's it's interesting that some people say that financial infidelity, as far as their own moral compass is concerned, is worse than physical infidelity. A lot of people said that. Yeah, we found that 42% say they're equally bad, financial and physical cheating. I, I was actually surprised that that percentage was so high. 11% said that financial cheating is worse. And then that left the other 47% saying that physical is worse. But yeah, I mean, especially if you roll it up, it's slightly over half say that financial cheating is at least as bad, if not worse, 
than physical infidelity. So uh, it's a big deal to a lot of people. I think it shows how personal money is and just how deeply it can affect us. Money really is one of the greatest sources of conflict in a relationship. So that's why I think you've got to talk it out with your partner. Start early and often. Be transparent. I think sometimes the secret comes back to bite you even more because it's a real breach of trust. Thanks for joining us. Ted Rossman, Industry Analyst, CreditCards.com, based in New York. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Chicago's police superintendent reacts to the death of a child shot on the city's southwest side over the weekend. The Supreme Court will take out a case that could alter the future of affirmative action in college admissions. Bitcoin is down more than 50% from its all-time high. We'll update the Wild West known as the cryptocurrency market. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the market Markets are sharply lower. The Dow is down 802 points. The Nasdaq is down 414. The S&P 500 is down 120. AccuWeather says cloudy and breezy this afternoon. Lingering flurries, a high of 28. And then dropping down to four above tonight, but it will feel like 10 below. The noon business hour continues, uh, topping our news at the half hour. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown reacting to the shooting death of a child on the southwest side over the weekend. Melissa Ortega was struck in the head by two bullets as she and her mother were caught in an exchange of gunfire on Saturday during what's believed to be a gang-related dispute. It's just unspeakable to lose the life of an eight-year-old, a little girl, under these tragic circumstances, or any circumstances for that matter. And we owe it to Melissa and her family 
and to the city to hold every person involved accountable. There is a reward of up to $10,000 for information leading to an arrest in the case and up to $15,000 for a conviction. America's highest court has agreed to take up another blockbuster case. The story from CBS News correspondent Jim Crisula. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to consider a bid to bar Harvard University and the University of North Carolina from considering race in undergraduate admissions. A decision against the schools by the conservative-dominated court could mean an end of affirmative action and college admissions intended to increase the number of black and Hispanic students on American campuses. Jim Crisula, CBS News. Hey, it's 1232. Markets are deep in the red this afternoon. We're joined by Steve Esposito, Executive Director, Morgan Stanley Wealth Management based in Lake Forest. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Let's begin with a sobering statistic, and that is this is the worst start for the S&P 500 of any year. And uh, what do you what what do you make of that? And how should investors feel about that? Well, it's uh, it's not good in that sense, but it is if you're a buyer. I think what you're seeing in the market here is very reminiscent of what happened back in the dot-com bubble burst in 2000. Uh, I was here during that. I remember it. And uh, this has been building up for a while. Speculative excesses in the market just got out of control. And now you're simply seeing that return to some degree of normalcy now. And people are simply selling out of those companies who uh, got so out of, uh, out of, out of touch with reality And as people are selling that, it's making them nervous. Combine what's going on in in, uh, Ukraine, among other things. It's just it's it's snowballing on itself. But I think it's actually a cleansing of the system, and we'll and there's a rotation we've been talking about for a while that's occurring now, and I think that's what you're going to see. You look at uh, all this red among the three major indices today. You know the Dow is now down 782, the Nasdaq down 404, the S&P 500 down 116. You see all this red. You see these triple-digit drops, or in some cases a four-digit drop in the case of the Dow, and the C word starts to uh, creep into your mind. Uh, is it safe to call this a crash? I wouldn't say a crash. I said, you know, there's there's sectors of the market that are crashing, just like there were sectors of the market that were not following the indices up. So as I've said for a while now, the indices don't represent the broad market anymore. It doesn't. So what you're seeing, as we're speaking, ironically, many of the bricks-and-mortar retailers are all up today in a market that is, as we know, the advanced decline line is 6 to 1 negative. So I think it's going back to a stock picker's market, not just – you know, throwing caution to the wind and buying what's hot or what's, you know, being uh, touted, so to speak, out there on Wall Street and focusing on where we're going to be when we get through this correction that we're going through right now. And as I said, the cleansing of the system where investors will go back to looking at actual profits and earnings. In other words, the emperor has no clothes. We've been talking about that for a while on the air, and it's coming to fruition now. I think that's what it is. What what like kind of led to this supercharge in the supercharged valuation of the markets? Was it simply the uh, um, you know uh, the, the Fed intervention at the start of the COVID pandemic, or did it date back earlier? You know, prior to that, 2018, 2017? I think a lot of it really took off when, of course, COVID hit and it became a stay-at-home stock story. We were told that all bricks and mortar would go bankrupt. We were told that everybody's going to stay at home and buy online and order their food from DoorDash. And, and so everybody jumped on that bandwagon. And more people who bought it, the higher it went, and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy, all the while selling other companies in order to use capital to buy that. Easy money didn't help. I mean, it did help, excuse me. It didn't hurt. And now that situation is changing. But I don't personally believe a one-and-three-quarter, 10-year treasury is the cause 
for all the the unwinding of those uh, concentrated positions in any way, shape, or form. I just think it, it it was time, and then it snowballed from there. But I do believe the, here's the irony of it, Rob, is we're about to come out of COVID. From what I'm hearing, what we're hearing from Scott Gottlieb, the former head of the FDA today, is he thinks this will be done by early February. Well, we're not that far away. So if we're in better shape now than we were 20 months ago looking forward. And yet the markets are reacting as if we're back to where we were 20 months ago. Uh, again, I just think it's a rotation. That's well, all I think it is. It's interesting you mentioned the end of the dot-com bubble. So let's go back 20 years for those of us who either weren't investing or don't remember it all that well. And you're just you're, your one memory of the dot-com bubble is bursting is that pets.com became this, uh, uh, this, this laughable sign of an earlier era. How did the markets emerge from that, and how did the economy emerge from that? And keep in mind, you also had 9-11 occurring around that time as well, and Enron going belly up. Right. Well, in 2000, of course, you had Enron. In the dot-com bubble burst in March, I remember it well. And because back then as well, the indices didn't represent the broad market. So investors were jettisoning everything from their portfolio that didn't have dot-com or technology in its name. And then you had this uh, this difference between valuation models over historic, value versus growth. You just went through that again. You went through that all over again. And the and this difference between price-to-earnings, price-to-sales didn't matter. Investors were simply buying anything that was going up that had anything to do with staying home. Didn't matter if the companies made money, $50 billion market values in many companies, while simultaneously selling companies that are reporting earnings now, that survive the, the, uh, our current dot-com bubble, if you want to call it that. And I think the money will rotate in the reopening. As I've said, I saw what happened there, and it was March. And by really, by the end of the year in 2000 is when you really started to snowball occur into 2001. Of course, then after that, you had 9-11, which disrupted everything. But it was a while away from the dot-com bubble. But I think a lot of investors learned a valuable lesson. You know, earnings do matter. Price to sales, price to earnings does matter. And right now, ironically, some of the cheapest stocks out there are value and cyclical stocks entering what could be an economic recovery and the end of COVID and the reopening of the world. So I think, as I've said for months now, those are the stocks you want to be in. Not necessarily many of these companies that are sadly down 80 and 90 percent that were former hard flyers. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Steve Esposito, Executive Director, Morgan Stanley Wealth Management based in Lake Forest. Coming up next, the cryptocurrency market has seen well over $100 billion in value wiped out over the last day. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The cryptocurrency market has been a roller coaster ride since its inception, and that ride is currently heading downward. Let's get the latest now from Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. In any speculative environment, there is a great deal of risk. But the, the, the problem with the cryptocurrency market going down now is that it's probably taking with it a lot of people who jumped in at the end of 2021. Is that the case? Well, good afternoon, and thanks for having me on. You know, but yeah, the issue is, uh, you look at Bitcoin trading almost 36,000. People that bought it anything other than last year are doing just fine. The problem, as you stated, is that many of the newer traders, folks that just got into it in the last year, they're all underwater now. And the question is, those those are the weakest hands probably, so those are the ones that are most likely to just bail. And if they do, you're going to see a massive sell-off, and that's kind of what we've already seen here. 
um, in Bitcoin, which has got cut in half almost in the last uh, few months. And some of these altcoins are down 70, 80, 90 percent. A lot of it is weaker hands getting out and just realizing that they probably shouldn't have been in to begin with. Is the, you don't want to make these definitive statements, but is it possible? And I, I because uh, uh, Crypto dot com just purchased the naming rights for the formal, former Staples Center in Los Angeles. Uh, is it possible that the Crypto dot com arena is going to join Enron Field on the list of uh, sports facility naming uh, projects that uh, didn't stand the test of time? Well, they say history does not repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And I think that's exactly what we're going through right now. And so you're going to see, you know, you've seen a massive drawdown in all of crypto and all of risk assets. I mean, look at the S&P even. I mean, it's in correction territory. You've got all risk assets going down. And anybody that bought crypto and thought it was somehow um, immune from a a risk asset sell-off, well, they're finding out right now that that's not true. Um, when you have uh, big investors having a portfolio that includes crypto along with stocks and bonds, if they need to sell something, they may choose to sell crypto. And that's, that's what's happening is that that's why there's correlation right now, because they're sell- they're, right now people are selling everything and uh, it's all going down together and it will continue until the weak hands are done selling. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say this is at the exact time, and I'm, I'm going to tell investors don't try to time it, but realize we're in a sell-off, we're in a correction, it's healthy to this point, and that if anything, you should be accumulating in small amounts now because you didn't buy all of it at 60000 in Bitcoin. If you didn't, then you have cash on the sidelines right now to be buyers here, or at least just watch, watch what's happening. You're not a forced seller. And then very quickly, with everybody racing towards the exits in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, what's the future uh, you know, post-sell-off, for lack of a better word? Well, we've always, and I've been on this show dozens of times saying I'm only in Bitcoin and Ethereum, and that's because those are the two projects I believe in. The rest of the altcoins, some of them are going to be fine, but most of these altcoins are going to zero. So the future is, like all corrections, the, the, the best quality ones are going to do fine. They're going to bounce back, and the rest of them are going to go to zero or near zero, and you're going to find out shortly which ones are which. So, you know, I would, I would caution investors to not go with these, these altcoins that have, you know, very little uh, economic value behind them and stick with the big guys, and that's, that's what we've always said. Thanks for joining us. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJB Capital, MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana, author of the book Winning with the Dow's Losers, and that's a very appropriate title today. Chuck, thanks for joining us. Uh, if if you, you look at the markets, you look at the numbers, you see that sea of red, but uh, the savvy investor probably sees some opportunities today. Well, I think that's how you have to stay engaged in markets like this. And it's really easy to get disengaged and, and quite frankly, frustrated and disgusted. Um, but it's it's during pullbacks like this and, and probably the pullbacks that will continue here in the short term that long-term investors can really build wealth by buying opportunities. And I think I have two of them for you today. The, the first is EOG Resources. 
The symbol is EOG. The stock trades for $99 a share. Uh, I like the energy sector still. I think that is a theme that will work for most of this year. And I think those stocks, the, the quality stocks in that group, will be able to outperform the market. I think EOG is one of those stocks. You get a dividend yield of 3%. Uh, the company has good cash flows going. And uh, it, it's, it's what I think is one of our favorite plays now in, in the energy area. They're a, a driller for uh, crude oil as well as natural gas. So that's EOG. Uh, resources, symbol EOG, stock trades for $99 a share. And what's your second pick for the day? Second pick is that other theme that I think has legs, and that's select financials, particularly regional banks, which I think can hold up fairly well here. One of those is service first bank shares, symbol is SFBS. The stock trades for about $83 a share. It's one of the few stocks actually that's up today, and I think that's uh, you know, a, kind of a, a microcosm of what I'm looking for in the, this regional bank is a company that can, uh, you know, continue to kind of outperform the market. You get a dividend yield of about 1.1%. Uh, I think you'll see decent earnings growth this year, particularly if uh, the yield curve steepens as interest rates rise. So I think this is an opportunity to to kind of play a stock that should benefit from a steepening yield curve. Um, we own both of these stocks, and, and we're very comfortable owning and buying them in this market environment. So that's EOG, and that's S uh, Service First Bank Shares, symbol SFBS. And very quickly, is the uh, Dow theory uh, enduring the first uh, four weeks of 2022? Well, I'll, I'll give you a better handle on that at the end of the close today. The Dow, in order for the Dow theory to maintain on a bullish trend, you need the Dow Jones Industrial Average to hold above about 34,000. So uh, it's under right now. If we would close under, uh, say, 34,000, you know, that would not be a, a positive for the Dow theory. That would be a change in the trend to bearish. So we'll have to see how the, the afternoon unfolds for the Dow right now. Thanks for joining us. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, Indiana. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.